uses. Stephanie joined our church. I've gone on numerous mission trips with her. She takes teams all over the world all the time. I have never met personally anybody who has more of the heart of God for lostness than Stephanie Domingue. So, in this series we're doing called Loving God Back, the way we love Him back is we love Jesus, we love one another, and we love our lost world. And I just want to get out of Stephanie's way. She's never preached before a whole service, but she deserves one, and she's got one. So Stephanie, come and give us the Word of God today. No pressure, no pressure. All right. All right, let me get comfortable. Good morning. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to move this stuff over here. Well, it's really good to be here this morning. I'm excited. Got a few butterflies, but once I get going, I think I'll be okay. You love me, right? You like me? Okay. Okay, okay. So, um, we're going to talk about evangelism today. And for a lot of people, it's like, that is not me. I'm not comfortable doing that. Well, I know how you feel. Okay, a couple months ago, John said, hey, Stephanie, I'm thinking about doing this series called No Place Left. We're going to talk about evangelism. I said, that's great. He said, well, maybe you could take one Sunday. I said, no, 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 no. And then I said, well, maybe you could interview me because I do like talking about this stuff. So you could interview me. That would be fun. Well, okay, maybe I could do it. I could do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Now I'm like, he wants me to talk about the most exciting aspect of spiritual life in 35 minutes. So it's kind of rude, but I'll try. (laughs) Okay, um, so John said, what's your main, what do you want people to walk out knowing? Like, what is the one thing you want people to be encouraged in when you share So I'm going to tell you the one thing, the main thing, okay? This is the main thing. Each one of us, you can, I can be an effective witness for Christ. Say that. I can be an effective witness for Christ. It's a declaration, okay? This is something that everyone, we think like, oh... It's not about having to do it. It's like, I get to do this. I get to be a part of sharing the greatest news on the planet. People have no hope. People have no hope. So if we can bring hope to someone, oh, it's exciting. You get to see God move. The other day, my kids were listening to um, the Chronicles of Narnia, the uh, magician's nephew. And I walked in, and Uncle Andrew was saying, I have discovered this world bursting with life and vitality. And I thought, that is what it's like when we share Christ. Because you get to see God move, and you just never know what he's going to do. And when you see him move in a way you're not expecting, it's like, oh my gosh, Lord. Lord, you're so amazing. So I have discovered this life, or this, yeah, this world full of life and vitality. And some of you have, and some of you are going to discover it, God willing, as you share, as you step out. So, um, you know what? I do not have everything figured out when it comes to evangelism. I'm learning. I'm growing. I love to hear different people share the gospel. I love to hear what different people say. I just... It's what I do. I read books about it. I watch YouTube videos about it. I'm growing. So I don't have it all figured out. Um, But one thing that I do know is that 
um, we can make it overly complicated. It's really, really simple. We love people and we share about how God has been good to us. It's really simple. So um, this series, John's called it No Place Left, and I really love that phrase. There's this movement around the world that's gaining momentum called No Place Left. And that phrase comes from Romans 15.23, where Paul said that he was writing to the Romans. He was going to be moving on from where he was at because the gospel had been preached from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. So, not that everyone in this area was saved, but the gospel had fully saturated that area so that he was able to move on. He said, there's no place left for me to work in this area. Is that cool? Wouldn't it be exciting? Can we say, let's go for no place left San Diego? That is an exciting vision. No place left San Diego. So we all need to be a part of that. What? Would that take some massive gospel sowing? That's what it's going to take. Um, So as part of my main point, which is we can all be effective in sharing Christ, and it's awesome, um, we're going to talk about why we share the gospel. We're going to talk about who to share with, and we're going to talk about what to share. Because some people kind of know that, but other people might not know it. A lot of times we know it. Let me tell you, almost everything I share today, you already know. But what we have to do is know it here. And we have to, even if you know it here, we can always grow in knowing it more in our hearts. Okay? So um, we're going to start off with why. Okay? Why? Start with why. Why share the gospel? Well, of course we have to mention Matthew 28, right? 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I wish I had more time because I have like 10 points that I could share from that, but I'm not going to. But these are the last words of Jesus. Okay, so we need to heed them. Go across the street. Go to the park and share with the people there. Go across the world if that's what God calls you to. Okay? We've got to be willing to share. This is the verse I really get excited about. Um, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 5 verses. So... Sometime last year, I was just spending time with the Lord, and I read this passage, which I've read a million times, but it just hit me. I just started to weep. And you know what? This is, this is God's heart for people. I had no idea at the time that this is one of the key verses that is being used by the No Place Left movement. Okay? So, Paul's writing to Timothy. He says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. 
This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. I love that. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. So God's heart is for everyone to be saved. Okay? Um, So I'm going to share with you some facts just about the um, San Diego region. This is the part of the message I call the hammer. Okay. <laughs> I'm a velvet hammer though. Okay. Um, so let's just this 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 is our region. This is not Ethiopia or India or some far off place. This is where we live. Okay, so in our region, the the county of San Diego has a population of about three point two million people. There are about three hundred thousand believers. So if you subtract 300,000 from 3.2 million, you get 2.9 million people who are far from God. They don't know the Lord. So the percentages work out to 9.4% of the people in our region are saved. And about 90.6, almost 91% don't know the Lord. So they're lost. How does the Lord feel about that? 91%? Okay, I heard, um, I heard a statistic that I just cannot get out of my mind by this guy his name is Ed Stetzer he does a lot of research on just the church and missions and evangelism and all that stuff according to his research 62% of people across the nation say that they would not go to church if someone invited them if someone invited them okay but 70% of those people who say that they would not go to church they're open to spiritual conversation. Wow. Wow. So, what does that tell you? That tells me we need to be really intentional about talking with people, sharing with people, encouraging people, having spiritual conversations. Okay? <clears throat> so, What are we going to do about this 91%? Who is responsible for these people? Okay, let's look at uh, who the Great Commission was given to. Did Jesus say, and all you pastors, teachers, evangelists, it's evangelists. No. These people are to equip the body. Well, is it for the big churches? Is it like Maranatha, The Rock? Do they have like the responsibility for all these people? Actually, the Great Commission was given to all people who are followers of Jesus. 
So that's all of us. We all get to participate. The Great Commission is a big task. And it's too big to be delegated to missions agencies or pastors or any group of people. It's like everyone. All hands on deck. Are you familiar with that term, the priesthood of the believer? This is something I get really excited about. Uh, Okay, so think about the Old Testament. Right? We had the priests, this priestly system, and what did the priests do? They went to God, and they, before God, just represented all of the people, because they didn't have access to God. And then they went to the people, and they, he, they told them about God. Well, today we're not under that old priestly system. We're under the new covenant. So we are the priests. And we, all, we have access to the Holy of Holies. And we can go to God and represent our friends, our families, our communities taking their needs to him. And then we go to the people and we just love on them. And we tell them what God is like. And we show them what he's like. We are a kingdom of priests. 1 Peter 2.9 says, You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Right? Oh, he has called us out of the darkness into his wonderful light. We have something to say. I forgot to set my timer. Oh my gosh. I'll just start it now. 35 minutes. Okay, so we are a royal priesthood. Now, a couple months ago, I was reading with my kids uh, over breakfast in Numbers, and we read the ironic blessing. And it's something about, and we're reading the New Living, which is just hitting me in this fresh way. Numbers 6.27 says, Whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, I myself will bless them. So we're not under that system. We don't have the priest. We are the priest. So insert your name. Whenever I, Stephanie, bless the people, Jesus himself blesses the people. Whenever Gary blesses the people, Jesus himself blesses the people. Whenever you bless the people, Jesus blesses the people. Oh my gosh, I want to go around blessing everyone. Because they need the Lord. The kindness of the Lord leads people to repentance. Stop laughing at me. Okay, the kindness of the Lord brings people to repentance. So that's one of my things that I love to do is just go around praying for people. Stop laughing at me. (laughs) Everyone's looking at me. (laughs) Okay. All right. So so we're going to, I'm going to talk about that later, but think about that verse. You bless the people, God blesses the people. I bless the people. God blesses the people. Okay, there's this book that I haven't read yet, but it sounds really good. 
and I read an article about it, and I love this, I love this quote. Listen to this quote. Knowing that every follower of Jesus has a God-given priestly mandate adds an important degree of clarity to our role in life and gives innate dignity to every occupation and job a Christian might do. At the core of every follower of Jesus exists a priestly DNA designed by God to be a prominent part of our self-identity. However, like a slow-burning ember, our priestly nature risks remaining obscure and inconsequential unless fanned into life. Isn't that amazing? So, when I read this, I think, okay, so we need to be intentional. We need to be thinking about, how can I bless the people? How can I bless the people? Because if we don't, life is just busy. And it's really easy to let... A week, a month, a year, decades go by, and we're not focusing on the main thing Jesus said to do. So we have to be intentional. We are priests. We go to God for the people, and then we take the Lord to the people. And it's exciting. Okay. Um, So we are the ones God wants to use to show what he's like to the world. And how do we do it? With love, loud love, and not loud as in a loud voice. We love, we are kind, we bless, we are generous. We're gentle, right? We're not beating people over the head. We're kind, we're gentle. I said this before, but it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Okay? Um, in blessing the people, we have these prayer guides that we want to hand out today. You'll get one when you leave. This is a prayer guide that will start on Wednesday, February 14th. It's 40 days of prayer for the city, for our city. There are all kinds of practical ways to pray for your neighbors, pray for our communities, pray for mothers, fathers, people on drugs, the churches, gangs. So, let's... Everybody get one of these, and let's do this together, okay, to bless our city. We'll start with prayer. This is like leading up to uh, Easter. So starts on February 14th, ends on Palm Sunday, but you can use it all year if you want to. Okay, so we'll um, just till the ground, spiritual ground in prayer. Okay, so um, last week, John talked about Fear being one of the big things holding us back from sharing, and it's just the truth. I mean, I know the feeling of being intimidated, but you know what? It's just the devil who doesn't want us to share. He intimidates us. He's a roaring lion seeking those to whom he may devour. But we just have to choose who we're going to listen to. Are we going to listen to him, or are we going to listen to the Lord? He wants to use us. Okay, sometimes we feel like we're imposing on people if we um, want to talk about spiritual things. Now, you could be imposing, you know, you could go up to someone and say, may I please make a presentation about the Lord Jesus Christ to you and impose my personal religion? No one wants that. They're going to say, no, we have to be wise and sly in the way we go about these things. Okay, so you just kind of slip something into the conversation and just see how they respond. Just throw a little nugget out there. Praise the Lord. 
oh, you love the Lord? Oh, I love the Lord. Or they might say, huh? Or they, you know, you just, just throw a little something out there. Um, okay, so I'm going to tell you about this guy, Ying Kai. He is from China. I have learned so much from him. He, God used him to start a movement in China where more than a million people have been saved and baptized. I don't know. Who knows how many churches. And um, just God's done this great work through him. <laughs> okay. So I've, you guys can just wait, wait a second. I've got to talk about Ying Kai for a minute. No, just wait. I know I told you to come up, but just wait wait a second. Okay, so this guy, Ying Kai. A million people saved all these churches. Guys, it's just this huge work, right? Well, before I tell you his story, I want to tell you that I had the opportunity to get some training from the person who trained Ying Kai. Okay? Whoa. Curtis Sargent. So, this guy who trained Ying Kai said... There's nothing special about him. Nothing special. Totally ordinary and plain. He was not this great speaker. He wasn't this super handsome man. He wasn't um, this charismatic personality. He just thought really nothing when he met him. Then he went to his house and went into his room. And by his room, in his room, by his bed, there were grooves in the floor where he spent hours praying for people. Okay? So, that, it's not about having some kind of personality or this or that. It's about being empowered by the Lord. Okay? This man really took his priestly identity seriously. Okay. So, Yinkai says one day he was having lunch with his wife. They go to this restaurant and he orders them egg drop soup. The guy says, person helping him says, okay, do you want one egg or two? One. Okay. Go sits down. They start eating their lunch. They're eating. And his wife says, why did you get an egg? You never get an egg. We're trying to save money. He said, I don't know. The guy just asked me, do I want one egg or two? He didn't ask me if I wanted an egg. Well, (laughs) as he processed that event, he thought, you know what? That's how it is with the Lord. See, at the time, he was a chaplain in a hospital. And he was spending time with all these people who are like near death or they're very sick. And he would go up to them and he would talk with them. Would you like to hear about my Jesus? No. No. He, I mean, some people would say yes, but a lot of people would say no. So then he would just, he just kind of changed it. So he would say, um, you know what? I was so sick and... The Lord healed me. Would I be able to pray for you? Yes. Or, you know, just, just throw something out there. And he said the response, to, the response rate totally changed. So you don't need to ask people. You don't need to impose. You just love them. Maybe offer to pray for them. And then see what God might do. Okay? So you can just throw in a quick testimony. Say someone is telling you, um, oh gosh, I've got this problem with my daughter. You know, you're at the soccer game. Oh gosh, you know what? I know. 15 second testimony. Okay? That's what we call this. The 15 second testimony. You know what? There was a time in my life I was going through a similar situation with some family members. Okay? Not my mom and dad. They're here right now. It's not you. Okay? (laughs) Um, It was really hot. It was really, really tough. But you know what? God was with me and he has restored our relationships in a way I would have 
not ever thought possible. Okay, now we've got Gary and Jerry and Jeanette, and they're going to share some other examples of their 15-second testimonies. Maybe 30. Okay. Well, in, in Starbucks, um, the person told me they had financial problems and lost their job. and So I understand. I, I've been in a similar situation. I know how hard that can be. I know for me, I was full of fear. I couldn't even sleep at night. It, it, I was so full of stress, it caused all kinds of problems. But a friend shared with me how God could intervene and help me through a circumstance like that. And I listened and learned more and uh, put my trust in the Lord and he just brought me through it. I didn't get a job right away and the financial problem was still there but my life was filled with peace and joy and I really saw a whole new purpose for my life and and I know that he can do that for you so why don't we just get a cup of coffee and, and let's just share a little bit and see how God might be able to help you through that situation. Awesome. <laughs> Well, there was a time in my life where all my pursuits just led to a dead end. I was doing things my own way and just getting nowhere. So I surrendered my life to Jesus and started doing things His way. And now my life has a direction, a purpose, and and God has uh, made a path for me to success. Okay, mine's a little different. That's okay. Um, so I was a Christian my whole life, um, but my walk with God was so safe and comfortable. And then God told me to go to India. And so I had to um, step out of my comfort zone and um, be bold. But I was so scared about it, um, just the idea of going. But as soon as I said, yes, God, I'm going to follow you, he replaced all my fear with excitement and peace. And I went to India, and I got to see God um, change lives just from my obedience and being there. Um, And because of that, now my walk with the Lord is more adventurous and purposeful. Hmm. Awesome. Okay. You see? Yeah, and we're going to India in July, and you can join us, okay? So um, so sometimes when we think about telling our testimony, we think of this long story. One time I asked someone their story, and they were like, well, I was conceived, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to take a long time. But you can just, just boil it down to 15 seconds. You know what? There was a time in my life when, okay? And let me just say, I'm just giving like a bird's eye view of all the stuff that we're talking about, but we're going to do a training March 10th, and we're going to go into more detail about like uh, who you can share with and what to share, and it's going to be awesome. A friend of mine from a church in Long Beach is going to come down, JT, and um, he's been... Uh, talking with his people about all this kind of stuff and they're really seeing people step out and seeing a lot of spiritual fruit and so he said he would come down and talk with us and bring some people from his church who are doing it so that's going to be March 10th and next week it'll be in the bulletin but I encourage you to put that on your calendar and please join us it's going to be a really great day um, okay so 15 second testimony just throw out little nuggets here and there and don't impose just see who responds you want one egg or two? Okay? One egg or two. Um, 
Okay, so that's, what did I talk about? Why we share, I'm kind of moving into who we share with. Who do we share with? There's all kinds of different people out there. First of all, we have our relational network. Okay, John told me, Steph, I know you're new at this. You're new to this Sunday morning thing. Make sure you use at least one Greek word, okay? <laughs> so I found one. Just kidding. He didn't really say that. But I know a Greek word, so I wanted to impress you. Okay? It's called oikos. Oikos. So um, in the New Testament, this word is used over and over, and it means like your household. Okay, you see, someone gets saved, they in their household come to the Lord. You and your household, you and your household. And it doesn't just mean the people who live in your house. It means like your relational network, like your, fa- your friends, your family, your neighbors, your co-workers, the people that you are doing life with. So we see Cornelius, he and his household got saved. Lydia, her household. Gadarene demoniac, he went back, shared in all the ten towns, all kinds of people got saved. Um, the woman at the well, she went, told her whole village. Many people came to the Lord because of the woman's testimony. Okay, so God saves these people and all these people around them get saved too. Well, that's what God wants to do with us. See, in America, we're so individualistic. We just think about us. But God saved us so he could save even more people. He wants to use us to reach them. So let's take responsibility for our oikoses, okay? Of course, they're gods. We don't do it. Oh my gosh, we can't persuade anyone. But we can be priests for them we can pray for them and we can show them and tell them what God is like so um, I had this neighbor Jerry and I had this neighbor a few years ago her name was Rivka and I don't know why I was like totally afraid of this woman I do not have the words to describe how I felt on the inside when I would see her it was like this that's how I felt I got so nervous around her Okay, and after a while I realized, okay, this is not right, this is not normal. Okay, so she was, um, just don't judge me, don't get mad at me, I'm just telling you how I felt. Okay, she, uh, she was Jewish, born and raised in Israel, she uh, lived an alternative lifestyle, and it was kind of during the time when the whole marriage debate was hot, and she was just kind of in your face about that, and I was like, oh, geez, made me nervous. And then she's a lawyer, and we know what they are like, okay? They're trained to demolish people's arguments. <laughs> okay? So I'm sorry, she made me so nervous, and I thought, okay, then I began to pray for her. I said, okay, Lord, I know this is not right help me and I'm not kidding you it was the most miraculous thing the Lord changed my heart I started to really like this woman and I could enter into a normal conversation with her without like freaking out on the inside but I thought Jerry and I thought this together we really talked about this it would be so great if Mark Calpersmith could come talk with her about the Lord because he would squash her like a bug and then and then he would prophesy over her and she would say you know 
what must I do to be saved? We're like, how could we get this to happen? I'm sure Mark and Shelley would come over if we asked them. Yeah, I mean, we could at least guilt them. We would make some food. But the problem is, she keeps a kosher diet, so she will not eat our food. Okay? I couldn't figure out how to get the two together. And then one, one day, the Lord just said, Stephanie, Mark and Shelley are not her neighbors. You and Jerry are her neighbors. I said, okay, I'll stop trying to figure out how to get them together. And we just took her on. And I'm running out of time. But we ministered to her. Uh, we prayed for her. And there was a time she was sharing with me about this financial problem she was having. I said, I said, Lord, I said, Lord, I said, Rivka, I'm so sorry. Can I pray for you? So I just prayed for her. Lord, would you, you know, provide for her need? While I was praying, I felt like the Lord said, you meet her need. I said, okay, Lord, that's a good idea. I didn't tell her that. So I talked with Jerry. He said, yeah, okay. So we're just going to give it, you know, so she doesn't know. We just wanted to bless her. But the Lord said, no, let her know. It's from you so that she can see that the people who love Jesus are the most kind and the most friendly. And they care. So we gave it to her. She didn't even accept it. She, we wanted her to, but she didn't. But just, you love people and do what you can. It's on the Lord. Now, I was lamenting to the Lord recently that I didn't see anything happen in her life. Gosh, Lord. But the Lord said, no, no, no. You don't know what I'm doing. This thought came to my mind. Perhaps you saved her life. She had cancer. We prayed for her. We prayed for her. We prayed over her. We kept praying for her. We still pray for her. You know, who knows? Maybe our prayers saved her life so that other people can come and minister to her. We continue to pray for her. Um, So just because you don't see God doing something doesn't mean that you are not an effective witness because God waters the seeds that we plant and he causes them to grow in his time. So if you share with someone in love and you don't see anything happen, it is okay. Celebrate the no. Celebrate the no because you were obedient. Think about a scale. Do we have a picture of that scale? Yeah. Okay. When you share with someone and they have some sort of a brush up or some sort of an encounter with Christ, you put a little weight on the scale. It tips. Someone else comes along, tells them Jesus loves them, shares the gospel, does something, act of kindness, puts a weight on the scale. Okay? It keeps tipping. Somebody comes along and finally just, I don't know, sneezes on them. Something happens and they get saved. Well, who led this person to the Lord? They all did. They all did. And John's story absolutely illustrates my point. I know he shared it last week, but I have to share it again. Okay, do we have the picture? Please. Yes. (laughs) This was John. Clearly he's far from God. (laughs) Okay. He was 19 years old. He did not know the Lord. Someone on a construction site witnessed to him. Okay? And John says, that person just bugged him. Kind of annoyed him. I don't know. Did he invite you to church? Yeah, he went to church. But he didn't get saved right then. 
So then he, I don't know, moves to California. Anyway, he loses touch with this guy, but John got saved. And he became a pastor, and he's influencing all these lives. How happy is that guy? He doesn't even know. He doesn't even know. And then a couple weeks ago, I heard Dennis McNally prophesying over John about the thousands, or no, about the, all these disciples that he raised up even before he came to the gathering place that are impacting thousands of lives. And that there's all these other disciples coming whose lives he's going to impact. The whole time, I was just thinking, how stoked is that guy going to be when we get to heaven? You know what I mean? He doesn't even know. But he just, he threw out the seed. He didn't see anything happen, but he's going to have a great surprise when he gets to heaven. Okay? So throw out the... Whoa! John never did that. How do I, I don't even know how to put this back on. Okay. So throw out the seed. Another thing I learned... I've learned is you cannot prejudge who is you cannot prejudge who is going to be um, receptive to the gospel. I do this all the time. It's so easy. Oh, I don't think no. She looks like a supermodel. I don't. She has everything. I don't think she needs it. Oh, he's on drugs. No, he's too far gone. Oh, we have all these things, right? You know you think that. I think it all the time. I just say, no, no. I know what the truth is. <clears throat> okay, so around the time when Jerry and I got married, he was ministering to this guy who lived uh, in Trolley Barn Park. And he would go and he would minister to this guy, take him water and carrots, because that's what he always had in his cooler, and talk with him about the Lord. One time I went with him. I'm like, this guy is so far out there. He's not interested in anything. Just stop wasting your time. I actually said that. Well, I was wrong. (laughs) And the guy got saved, and his whole life was transformed. And he joined a church that our friends are part of. And they're saying, at the time, he's our most fruitful person. He's our most fruitful person. He's bringing people to the Lord like crazy. So you never know who is receptive. We can't look at someone and, like John was saying last week, don't say no for someone else. Okay, The gospel is the filter. So if they're open to it, that's the filter, the gospel. Okay, um, <clears throat> there's a good soil out there. Oh, I have so much to say about the soil. But anyway, there's good soil out there. But you've got to cast it out so that you find the good soil. Okay, who do we share with? There's your oikos. Take responsibility for them. And then there are people that we meet as we, you know, go throughout our day. I talk to a lot of people at the grocery store because I'm in my mom years. That's what I do. Go to the grocery store. I go to the park. Who are the people that I meet out and about? I just try to steer the conversation towards spiritual things and see who responds. John did this awesome series. Oh, my gosh, the timer. John did an awesome series um, a few years ago called The Art of Neighboring. It was so good. I encourage you to go back and listen to that. After that series, I took it up about, Jerry and I together, we took it up about ten notches with our neighbors. Really a lot of good stuff in there. Okay, so we talked about why to share, who to share with, and we're going to just briefly, okay, just 
few more minutes, um, talk about what to share. Okay? Um, offer to pray for people. I love to talk with people and just say, you know what? Um, if God could meet a need in your life or even do a miracle, what would it be? Could I pray for you? Isn't that a great question? If God could meet a need in your life, would do a miracle? Um, what would it be? Can I, can I pray for you? Um, prayer, your 15-second testimony, and then I encourage you to know how to articulate the gospel. I think most people in this room, you know it. You hear it, you say, yep, that's right, that's it. But can you articulate it and put it in your own words? I'll tell you a story. Jerry told me I could share this story. So when I was new in the Lord, (laughs) I was dating this guy. And it didn't take me very long to realize he has got to go. (laughs) So I'm like, all right, I'm going to break up with him. But I have the Lord. I don't know what I'm going to do. I just went to the, I just said, the Lord has got this. And I went to meet with him. And I don't really know what happened, but at the end of the meeting, we weren't broken up. (laughs) Okay? Because, you know what? I really didn't think about what I was going to say. I didn't know what I was going to say. I just thought, well, the Lord's got it. (laughs) Well, I had to go back and think about what I was going to say and how I was going to say it. It's the same thing with the gospel. If you, it's not really the same thing, but you, you know my, not the same thing, but you get my point. If you think about what you're going to say, you're going to have a greater degree of confidence and competence so that when the time comes and you have an opportunity, you're ready. You're ready. Um, so... You know what, let me share this quote because it's really good. This is from Dallas Willard, The Allure of Gentleness. Being mistaken about life and the things of God in the human soul is a deadly serious matter. That is why the work of apologetics or evangelism is so important. So we speak the truth in love. And we speak with all the clarity and reasonableness we can muster, simultaneously counting on the spirit of truth to accomplish with what we do an effect that lies far beyond our natural abilities. We speak the truth in love. We offer to pray for people. You know why I love that? Because a lot of times, like we want people to know God, but we're inviting them to believe in a God they've never seen. So the other day I was at the mall and I was buying some makeup from this guy who was clearly far from God. And uh, he helped me. And then afterward I just said, okay, hey, what's your name? Chrisman. His name was Chrisman. So I said, you know what? I really love God and I believe that he's good and he loves to help people. So I just wonder... Um, if there isn't like a miracle God could do or maybe meet a need that you have do you, does something come to mind what, it, what might that be can I pray for you he, at first he was like looked at me kind of funny then I could see his eyes got moist he said financial troubles it's been a really hard year so I just didn't like 
start praying like this in the mall. I just, with just standing there with my eyes open, I didn't touch him or anything. I just said, Lord, you love Christmas and you love helping people. Would you just pour out a financial blessing on him? And when you do, I pray he would just know that it's right from your hand. And you're so good. In Jesus' name. And then I just said, okay, God bless you. It's been great talking with you. And be on the lookout. Just drop these bombs everywhere you go. Because when you bless the people, God blesses the people. Okay? So, um, prayer, 15-second testimony. Articulate the gospel. And we'll talk more about that at the training. March 10th. encourage you to join us. And I'm landing this plane right now. Oh, no. Oh, no. Sorry. One more thing. Okay. God's heart is for everyone to be saved. So one more Yinkai story. Um, so Yinkai, he grew up in China. His family didn't have a lot of money. He told his dad, Dad, I really want a bike because I go to school. It's far away. It takes a long time to get there. His dad said, no, we don't have any money. We don't have enough money. I can't buy you a bike. He kept asking his dad for a bike. One day, he came home. He heard his parents talking behind closed doors. They wanted to get Ying a bike. And he said, from that point on, I was very bold because I knew my father's heart was to get me a bike. So I just submit to you, we know our father's heart is for everyone to be saved. Therefore, we can be very bold in our witness. Okay? Amen. Amen. That was uncalled for. My children call that the Mushroom Express picture. (laughs) Stephanie is like a stealth bomber. You are so sweet and so kind and so lethal. The way God has wired you is a beautiful thing. That was one of the best messages on evangelism I've ever heard. Thank you, Stephanie. Hey, Stephanie. By the way.